Welcome everyone to the Pantheon. I'm your host Ray, and today we're looking at Underworld, the 2003 film starring Kate Beckinsale and Scott Speedman, directed by Len Wiseman. When you, when you think of uh, the vampire films, I mean True Blood, the Twilight series. Well, this predates all of that. The actual like True Blood wouldn't air on HBO for another couple more years. The book for Twilight wasn't even published yet. It'd be another year or so before it actually gets publication. The only thing that predates this would be Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it had its series finale three months before the movie's release. So Buffy season seven, the finale, aired on May 2003. The film Underworld debuted uh, hit theaters on september of the same year uh so if you were a fan of buffy like i was an angel and you knew you're going to have a bit of a lull missing that show uh you can say it had a built-in audience ready to go because they needed their next um something to get them over that hump for missing buffy so you could say the audience was almost built in for the show so you had a huge fan base of Whedon's, um, the Whedonverse, looking for something, and you got, and they were able to get that in Selene, a very, uh, very powerful, strong female role. Uh, yes, kind of like, and keeping in mind too, this was also the time of the Matrix. Just really, it came out. It came out in two thousand. It came out in 2000, 1999. So it was like three years later, and Matrix, uh, the the trilogy, was about the. Uh, hit theaters too around, around and actually i think later that that year november uh so you were in because she had the black leather like trinity so and she was jumping off rooftops and very very dynamic like trinity so there's a lot to go on to you can marry some iconographies of film and television into this so and it was a sci-fi so we were still going through the idea of bullet time and and the action genre you know because movies like the mummy came out as well and uh this was high end well i don't know if you want to call it high end but that thrill that niche market that the that early 2000s market you were hitting all you were striking hitting all those boxes to getting uh the audience you wanted and this movie was really well received it, it doubled its budget uh, i think it had a budget of 52 million it made 111 million in the box office worldwide um, it was a critical it was critically received very well i mean there was some things wrong with it story-wise but uh, in general, it was a very uh, flushed out story. It complemented the sequel, which will be coming out later on. This movie, in essence, set up in motion what would be a trilogy and, and ended up being five films. Uh, but Len Wiseman had his fingers on the, the first one and the second one. He didn't have the second movie completely flushed out, but uh, there was enough here to work on. So this would be the blueprint of what was to come. And it was, again, it was very well received. Um, uh, it opened at number one in the box office. Uh, at the time, uh, it, it beat out Brokeback Mountain, Glory Road, uh, Last Holiday with Queen, Queen Latifah, and, oh, and Hoodwink. Okay. So, Underworld. Uh, story, very simple. You have va It's a story of vampires and werewolves. Now, the thing is about this that um i was not used to seeing was deposits a world where vampires and werewolves or lichens which will explain what lichens are most likely in the trilogy on the third film um but for now we'll just assume they're werewolf, werewolves in a general sense that they are immortal both sides um i have fought with that because my understanding even to that point that vampires yes they were immortal but werewolves um, it was just human beings inflicted with a with a curse. 
but they were not immortal. So they, in this particular world, um, it's almost as it, it would have that kind of um, implication that they would have, they were both immortals. And then the explanation behind that kind of gets, the kind of is given to you in the sequel. Now the film, now the film was shot in Romania, Hungary and uh, Transylvania. And because it has that, it want, I guess, honestly, they wanted to give you that Gothic feel. And it really, it's pretty dark. I mean, the whole series is pretty dark and it does give it to you. Paul Hasslinger was, was part of an electronical group called Tangerine Dreams. And, and some of his work, in that he's involved in kind of reflects that uh, he's done a lot of uh well he's he's an award-winning uh composer uh and he's done work both television and film uh for me the most notable for me is the amc series uh halt and catch fire which which introduction which intro was very much electronic uh sound because it's a computer so he also did the sound composing the fear of the walking dead uh and most recently he did uh, monster hunter with uh, mila jovovich so he's been around for a number of years and he's and i like some of his well some of his sounds and music i i'm actually a fan of and so and some of the films if you look up his imdb you'd be surprised the amount of work he's done i think he's done like over 70 projects according to imdb i could be wrong but uh, he is quite versatile he's been around for a very long time and he's he went on to do i think three more uh, underworld film also two more underworld films totaling three um in the collection and working with len wiseman uh it's unique now wiseman who um okay now behind the scenes life is more is more interesting than fiction or stranger than fiction um she was married to the co-star at this time which was michael sheen uh, and of course, and end up marrying the director, and so by the time you get to Evolution, she was already married to uh, Lynn Wiseman. So what was going on behind the scenes, I'm sure, was more exciting or more uh, uh, unbelievable, if you will, stranger than fiction, if you will, uh, than what was going on in the air. I both lies both Wiseman, Sheen, and her uh, sort of handpicked uh, Scott Speedman because they knew knew him. I don't know if he if he, if he was a neighbor. But thought he was ideal for the role for um, for Michael Michael Corvin, um, and uh, and the chemistry. Hmm. You know what? I thought there was more chemistry, more uh, acting range from Scott Speedman in the second one. But for what it was to introduce, it was fine. I was surprised to see who was his uh, co part co worker in in the. Um, the, the hospital where he works at and then some of his backstory but anyways the film the film is about uh, a man named michael corvin uh who happens to be a descendant of either uh a, 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 a character that we don't really know too much about and his bloodline has a um has a has a has locked up a secret that he may be the one and only or one of the few people on the planet who can actually um uh unlock the powers of the high of being a hybrid to both vampire and werewolf uh, or can salt can be the cure for uh vampirism or the cure for werewolfism um because of his bloodline and, and, and a very secretive and unknown source of his uh background now that does not get explored at all until we get to the sequel and a little bit no, we, actually, when you get into the sequel, do we like does that get ex explained more, more in more detail? Now, it's kind of surprising because 
when you watch this movie, you think, well, you know, this movie is pretty good. It's very encompassing. Um, there, there's not much. I mean, there's a very exposition. A lot of his exposition, exposition is, is given by Celine to you about the war between vampires and werewolves. It's been going. It's a thousand year war. She's been going at it at this war for over eight hundred or six hundred years, and um, she is uh, uh, part of a covenant of the West, and uh, she works for Victor, who, um, who. There were three um, elders in every century. An elder would sleep, and one elder would take over. Uh, you have Amelia, who would work on the east. You had Victor, who would work on the west. And then you also have another name, Marcus, who would take over for either one or for Victor uh, once their hibernation period would take over, would uh, cease. So, uh, it's so much so it, prom it promoted a video game, uh, Underworld Eternal War, which was released on PlayStation 2 the following year. Uh, unfortunately, that game was only seen in Europe uh, but you can watch the trailer uh, on YouTube, see some of the gameplay. It's kind of a low uh, angled, uh, shoot, uh, low uh, yeah, low angle shooter game. You could play as Celine, uh, Rise uh, of Lycan, or Vampire, and um, there are different kinds of modes to this where you can like different missions where you can like protect somebody, uh, try to kill somebody, or go full out basically killing anybody around you. So it it had different kinds of modes which you can play. Uh, unfortunately, you can't play here, and it also it's PS2, so there's no chance you can ever get yourself on it, unless it's available online, which I seriously doubt because there's no market for it. But uh, it's it, you know, if you can look at it on YouTube, it's kind of interesting how they do it. They try to market some of the co the continuity. It feels like a do uh, Doom play, or um, yeah, it feels like do early Doom, like because Doom came out in '99, 2000, so it feels like that. Um, and uh, but overall. The film is um, it's robust in terms of giving you a, a, a solid action film and some really something that's not seen between very detailed art and CGI and rendering of the uh, these werewolves and it kind of gives something a little added to the lore um, just a little bit I mean it, obviously for werewolves I mean the only reference we would have is American Werewolf in London what was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And maybe the Howling movies, which was very, very um, um, primitive. Depends when you think about where it came out. So it was very uh, like uh, body horror type of like uh, aesthetic aesthetics in those kinds of films. Uh, this film kind of gives you that, but it's because it's CGI, you're not going to feel the aesthetically um, um, almost. Lovecraftian kind of uh, approach this, so which I'm grateful for for doing that. So it allowed it to be just a really good action film. It's rated R for various reasons, um, but none of it's for, for well. There is some profanity and the nudity. There's like little to nothing. So uh, I wish, it, you know, no. For me, the film was fine. I would just say, um, uh, it, the sequel would have to be the sequel would have to be very very good. And engaging and filling in the gaps that did not apply, did not show reveal itself in the movie. And I will say just ahead of time that the sequel did fulfill that. Um, and so with that, I'm Ray. We'll be back next week with Evie, hopefully, and we're reviewing Underworld Evolution. So with that, we'll talk to you later. Take care.